Welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sauters, and I am fired up and ready to record another one. This is episode 25 with John Williams. He's a Georgia boy, used to chasing some swamp donkeys, cotton mouths, and watching out for alligators. So legit, we talk about just about everything you can think of when it comes to whitetails from the South, even a little bit of the Midwest. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's get John on the phone. There he is. What's going on, brother? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing great. So, uh, got John Williams on the phone. Uh, excited to do this one for a while on social media. See what you're posting. Uh, you just posted some of them bucks you killed in the past, and that one you posted was a stud. I mean, they were all studs, but that the one that was your main photo, he was a super stud. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was super pumped about that buck for sure. Heck yeah. How long ago was that book? Um, I believe that was 2019. Okay, okay. So it's been a few years. Uh, so what you been doing today, man? I know you said you were thinking about going to the property. Did you end up making it out there? I did. Uh, didn't get as much done as I would have liked. Uh, you know yeah, it case. seems to always work out that way. You get a big old plan, and then you get about a quarter of it done. Yep. Not even that. So it's going to take probably some machinery to get what I want done. Um, so I need to coordinate that pretty soon, figure out how to get some equipment out there because I don't think it, it would take me a whole year or forever really to yeah. to do it by hand. Yeah, get a bolt or a skid steer or something out there, knock it all out. I've rented a couple skid steers for a weekend here in the past. We tried to dig a pond one time on my parents, and, yeah, it didn't work out that well. I did the beginning digging. I didn't do the excavating, and then the excavating didn't get done very well. Really? Yeah, so it's honestly like a wetland now, so it's it's kind of a cool area on the property because it floods out of that pond, and then there's a creek. So stuff on that bottom area down there, it only grows because of that sort of, sort of like, I guess, area. It's in, like, different trees and stuff like that and shrubs. That's awesome. So, yeah, man, uh, so I want to hear more about your property, but uh, let's get a background on you, man, like where you're from, uh, how you got into hunting, where you, like what area you grew up in hunting. I don't know if you've grown up in the same area your whole life. or. Yeah, um, so I pretty much grew up in South Georgia. Um, didn't really get into hunting. I shot my first doe when I was about 16, um, okay. and then after that, we were planning on going and my bu- my brother got in a really bad wreck. And so that kind of put the next year's plans on hold. And uh, we had some family land and that's what I hunt and help maintain um, pretty much by myself now because I'm pretty much the only yeah. person hunting it. How but, long you had that in your family? Uh, I want to say my grandpa bought it probably maybe 20 years ago oh, or so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just we we never really had family property. We always like you know, had some leases or something we could hunt. But my parents bought land about I think going on nine or ten years. It's awesome to have your own property. You can do whatever you want with. Nice, yeah, for sure. It's well, I mean, I'm kind of limited on what I can do with it because it yeah. is kind of a protected wetlands. Um, mm-hmm. So he basically bought up a bunch of land from the neighbors and uh, the farmers, really. And uh, he put it in a wetland mitigation bank program. Okay. And uh, so you can't really burn out there 
Um, we're right next to the interstate, I-75. So there's been some wrecks in the past from when it caught on fire. And there's pretty much, you know, I haven't tried to get a permit to burn, but we, uh, I don't think we could get one if we even tried. Yeah, uh, being close to the interstate. Yeah. And uh, so <clears throat> it's pretty much planted cypress mixed with uh, just mostly native swamp and wetland vegetation were pretty much um he created a bank of wetland credits so any development that happens um around the area in our region then they have to buy a credit from our bank if they're going to go you know destroy wetlands in order to complete their project so it's awesome see i've never heard any of this this is very interesting yeah so it's a way to give back to the environment um it's kind of similar to um I guess corporations that uh, have like a pollution credit mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and there's companies that use less pollution or do less pollution. So they have extra credits and sometimes they'll sell those pollution credits to bigger companies that pollute more, but yeah. it's a way to kind of like offset the impact of, you know, habitat damage. And um, so we're trying to restore the habitat um, best we can. And we dug a bunch of canals um this i mean it holds water um so it was a holding water before and you guys were just trying to make it hold more water or hold a little less water i think the farmers had actually drained it and okay. used it for irrigation and just cropland and stuff yeah. um but there's probably gosh there's probably over ten thousand cypress trees and Damn. it's um we planted a bunch of other stuff too like fruit trees and persimmons and um, so it's basically, it was a big like management. I think there's other programs now and grants you can do. Got me yeah, really they do a lot of like CRP over here where we're at, like my parents' property, most of the properties enrolled in like a CRP type program. It's very similar to that. I think where you just enroll in the program and they help you out. Like they probably helped us out, um, either with a tax credit or, you know, yeah. Exactly. They paid 90% of it, and we paid 10% to, yep, to get it. That's what my mom and dad do to help pay, pay for their property taxes and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, so... But, uh, how many acres is it? It's actually pretty large. Um, so, my grandpa, he, he just had kind of a vision of... Uh, he was probably the only person to do it back when it happened. One of the first people, too, actually. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's about 1,600 acres. Damn. Um, so it's about three square miles of swamp. I can say my dream zone, uh, a square mile, which is 640. That's a little over double that. Yeah. Triple. It, it's, it's close to three. Um, the perimeter I'm working on right now, um, which I just yeah, cut. I, I saw you working on that on your Instagram. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So I cut probably 2000 feet by hand just on the perimeter. Um, like a handsaw or a chainsaw. Mostly, uh, just a, uh, it's a steel, I forgot what the, what, like the bow, like the bow saw. It's a hedge trimmer. It's like a, oh, a six okay. foot long hedge trimmer. Oh and yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. It helps me just, I mean, it's mostly vines and weeds and grass and stuff has grown up. Um, See, I've only been to Georgia, like driving through it and then like flying into it. Like what's like the, I, I know it's probably different parts of the state, but is it like a, majority like swampy and just like like describe the land because honestly i have no idea and just for the listeners who've never been to the south parts of it is uh definitely 
uh, swampy. Uh, Okefenokee Swamp is not too far from us. Um, what part of the state are you in? I'm like almost on the Florida line. Okay, I'm about okay. 20 miles from Florida. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I've been following you for a long time and did not realize you lived in Georgia until like semi-recently, past yeah. few weeks, just because you have studs, man. And when I think Georgia and I hear all these other people talk about Georgia, they don't ever say anything about big bucks. They're always like, oh, we don't got big bucks. They're, they're here, but we don't see them. Now I see your picture, and you got some studs, man. There's definitely some good genetics running around, and I think and habitat, that swampy. Them bucks love that swamp. Exactly. There's parts of the swamp I've never been to, um, like my duck hole that I found. It's about a 300 yard walk through muck and mud, and you get in there, and it's just this like duck oasis. Yeah. And oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, there, I found a, a matching pair of sheds on an island in there. I mean, 360 degrees, there's nothing but water. See, um, I've always wanted to hunt that. I, I grew up in Virginia. We had this swamp, but we were young, and I didn't know as much as I do now. And I never went there. I was like, I ain't hunting that fucking swamp. But I wish I knew what I knew now. Exactly. Or know now. Yeah, I used to hunt the pretty stuff. Um, yep, exactly. Sit right on the nicest trail, something easy to walk to. Yeah, no, I, I prefer... At least I'll walk about 600 yards to the stand every time I hunt. Yeah. Um, you, like, drive a UTV, ATV or something? Yeah. I'm guessing with that much land, you have to do something. It's, I mean, I totaled up the amount of trails we have. It takes me about three days to mow, and it's Damn. about 12 miles of trails. And this, and I'm telling you, we can only hunt probably about 400 acres or so. Really, um, the rest of it just underwater. The rest of it is just giant bays, okay. um, big swamp cypress, um, snakes and gators. Uh, oh, fuck. see, that's why I'm glad I'm here in good old Midwest Indiana. Like I don't yeah. fuck with snakes and I don't fuck with gators. No, there's like been. Some Have you ever had a bad gators. running with a gator? Oh yeah. Um, oh, I can't even imagine, dude. We uh we had some hurricanes a while back, and uh, this was when I was first getting into hunting. And uh, I had a trail camera and a feeder way back. John, in the how swamp. old are you? Sorry to interrupt you, but how old are you? I'm 29. Okay, so you're older than me, or two years older than me, basically. Nice. And w- what was your name again? I know we didn't. I just know you as Whitetail Bloodline. Yeah, I'm, I'm Gavin. Gavin yeah. Saunders. Gotcha. See, this is one thing people that are like listening to this podcast. Usually, this is like talked over Instagram and stuff, which you can't really get a you can get a feel for people, but. It's kind of hard to do this right over the phone, but once you're talking whitetails, it makes it a lot easier. Right. Yeah, because I, I tried to – I know we've been talking, um, but I, I just didn't see your name on the on the page. And yeah. we should have introduced ourselves better over Instagram. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but it's awesome. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're like-minded. You're doing great things, man. And uh, I just love – like – Talking whitetails, basically, with everybody. And if you got the passion to do it, passion to talk about it, I'm always willing. Heck, yeah. But back to, you know, we, I had a spot back way in the freaking swamp. And uh, we had some hurricanes come. And, I mean, everything was underwater. Um, I have one road that's probably, I would say, close to six or 800 yards long. Then there's another road and this is beside a canal. So there's mm-hmm. a canal on one side, there's swamp on the other and there's a road between it. And then on the other side of the canal is even more swamp. 
Um, yes. So basically you're just covered in swamp. Um, and so I'm going and it's about a foot of water. And uh, we get to a dry spot and I got my dog in the back and uh, I look down up like ahead of me, probably a hundred yards or so. And I thought it was a log and yeah. I'm looking down, looking for snakes. And so we had a real bad snake problem. You see, you probably and, got like cottonmouth problem out there, don't you? Yeah, I've I killed fourteen in one night, actually. Wow. Um, in about a two hundred yard slew. We're just riding on a four wheeler, just shooting one after another. Oh, and, man, see, uh, like I I'd rather fight a wolf than a snake. Like a big snake, yeah, I don't fuck with snakes. Yeah, I and I've set up five feet off from them without even knowing <laughs> it. Yeah, oh yeah. And um whole different challenge. Yeah, so uh, you're either looking at the ground, looking at your feet, not you know, I wasn't paying attention to really like up ahead of me. Yeah. And uh next thing you know, I mean this thing had to have been at least ten plus foot. And my oh, dog shit. hops off the ranger and hauls tail after this dang gator. Really? And, yeah. How big's your dog? I mean, he was probably sixty pounds at the time. He was young. Yeah. Um he's probably about hundred now, but I mean, probably shit your pants like, oh, I, you've got to be kidding me. I was screaming just, you know, Brooks, get back here. And yeah. uh, finally he did. Like, he just turned around and came back, and the gator went down and back into the canal. But, um, and I was hard-headed, and I was like, you know, I'm going to keep going. And <laughs> yeah, norm- that sounds like me. Normally, you know, and I mean, that was kind of exciting, but um, normally I was like, you know, it's not going to. I, I figured I got through the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this hole around the corner where the canal kind of overflows off into the road. And we'll have bucks scraping in the mud down there. Um, one of my best spots. I mean, deer trails, like you can see, if you look at the aerial, you can see the deer trails in the swamp. Yeah, it looked like some cow paths walking through there. Right. They're just beat down. They're probably 100 years old. They're just, I mean, they've been using them for years. And, yeah, there's uh, always those trails like that. I love them trails. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to go get that that trail camera, and I, I went in that hole, and I floated that mule like a bobber. It was an old <laughs> mule, probably uh, a 30-year-old, 20- or 30-year-old mule. And uh, I had some, like, superhuman strength and, like, picked it up by myself because it was just me and my dog and i like, yeah. carried it out of the hole almost you got and that mom on a baby strength baby get trapped under a car or something mom left the car off of it it was it was wild so that's <laughs> about the the worst run-in with a gator i've had um where it was just more of like um and then i got a picture on that same trail camera when it finally did drive up there was about a 10-foot gator it might have been the same one um it was completely laid across the road, covered up the whole road. And I, I got to see if I can find that picture, but just massive gators. And, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. And we can only kill one. We can only draw a tag like every four years down really? here. Yeah. Yeah. Are they just rare? Or is that just one of those things that are like, Oh, we got to protect the gators. But I think they were just endangered, um, yeah. for a while, but being so close to Florida, we rarely have freezing temperatures, um, especially for not any kind of like extended length of time. Um, I've seen gators in November uh, walking to the stand. So, um, like how hot is it like, let's say January, where you guys live? It can get, you know, down to the 40s or 30s or even the 20s, maybe even high teens every once in a while. But okay. then it'll just like 
shoot back up to like be like for a day or two get that cold then the next day it'll all be frosted over yeah i mean we rarely get i mean it gets cold um don't get me wrong but it doesn't get cold for long like you said it 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 goes back up pretty quick um yeah like where we're at in the midwest like we we live and die off them cold fronts is it the same way so you get that real weird like where it's going to be in the high teens do the deer move like crazy if if it gets too cold It'll actually shut them down. See, that's a, that's kind of what I was thinking. They're like not used to it. Yeah, they'll actually get them all hunkered up. The only time I've ever hunted in the snow down here, um, and it was crazy. I was like watching cars wreck on the interstate. <laughs> Our property borders the interstate for about three miles. Um, Dude, so... I've seen some giants running across the interstate and like looking like in the fields right off the interstate. There's for some reason there's some studs. Well, the thing is, so, all right, my property is free-ranging, you know, 100%, you know, wild, but we do have a high-fence border because of the interstate. So, anybody listening to this, like, if you want, you know, some good land and you don't want to have to deal with, that's one less neighbor you have to deal with. Oh, yeah. And people are, I mean, some people do some like diehards might drop somebody off on the interstate, but nobody's going to come from the interstate. It's hard enough to kill them. I'm really, I had one, one person cut our locks last year and they got stuck in the swamp. Really? Um, They leave their vehicle? No, somehow they got out. Um, but I think like, so their, their vehicle is definitely in the swamp probably overnight and they might've come and got it at night. Um, but I'm not sure. You think they, they were hunting for sure, not just wheeling? I have no idea if they were just hunting or what, but they, they closed the gate back and yeah. made it look like the lock wasn't cut. Oh, like bent it over, slid yeah. back. They, they just cut it so cleanly that they just put the lock back. Um, but the I've seen bucks push up does against that fence, um, and – and that's like kind of how they they'll rut and they'll they'll push them up against the fence so they can't go anywhere. But you, you say know, it was a six foot tall fence. Oh, it's big. It's I mean it's probably ten foot. Okay. But the whole I other say side the people the property, on the interstate probably appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I work for a, a doctor's office, and one of our doctors uh, was driving to work, and. I, they do slip out underneath it sometimes and people run into the fence, you know, off the interstate. Yeah. And, uh, he had one, he said it hopped over the median and he was in the fast lane and it totaled his car and it was almost like right in front of our property. Wow. So I didn't realize it was him. I passed him that day and I didn't even know it was him. Um, Mm -hmm. dude, it's crazy what a, a deer will do. I mean, they're pretty big, but it's crazy how much damage they put on the car. Like my brother, me and him are like very similar, but we're polar opposites at the same time. Like I'm a truck guy, he drives a Beamer. He had this like super nice gold Beamer and told it it driving out to our mom and dad's in the country just because he's not used to driving the country like we are. Oh, no. I mean, sometimes you can't help it when that buck's coming out and it just surprised him. But yeah, he smoked that this big old buck, knocked it like 10, 15 foot in the air, told his Beamer. That's crazy. Well, yeah, my girlfriend totaled her car. I want to say two years ago. In the same place, I had one run out and hit me, like, ran into the side of my truck. But uh, Yep, I've had, I was in the car with my dad when that happened one time. Luckily, I've never hit one. I've came, like, hundred, not a hundred times, but dozens of times getting close. But, yeah. But knock on wood. 
Well, for some reason, like certain parts of the interstate are covered, are fenced off, and then others aren't. And it's not like it just works out as such a good hunting property. And that was like my point. If you can find land along the interstate or any kind of like road that has like a, a nat, like a either a man-made built barrier, because the mm-hmm. deer don't mind the noise. The noise from the interstate, like I'll I'll walk to my stand when there's actual like the trucks are Jake, you know Jake breaking. Yeah, um, yeah. Or they're hey, that honestly that you, you got to use that in your advantage too. That's a great noise blocker walking in. Oh yeah. So, I mean, the, it doesn't bother the deer. I'm also right next to a racetrack. Doesn't bother the deer at all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's pros and cons. Like, it'd be better to hear the deer. Um, but it takes – you have to get pretty deep into the property where you're always going to hear the interstate, like, even way in the swamp. But, um, you know, is I think it's more beneficial than not, you know. Yeah, oh, I would say so, too, because here in Indiana, we got – a bunch of public land that goes right next to the interstate, like legit borders it. And uh, that's some of the best spots to hunt is right there around the interstate. It's just because you can't get to it from that side. So, you know what I mean? The, the, the hunting pressure is not as high. True. But, uh, yeah, man, so we're going into the summer. You say you're doing all these – you got all these plans. You're trying to cut trails right now. So, like, what you – year after year, like, what do you do during the summer? Like, what to uh, get ready for your season? um mostly i'll just either just maintaining roads um mowing some trails just putting up deer stands um i'll try and hang about two or three a year just because we own the property and it's you know i'll try and add one or at least two or three maybe permanent stands a year um and just but mostly i mean i have probably nine stands that i could kill a giant buck in yeah. um, every year. It what, might, stand, what kind of stands are you usually hanging? Like ladder stand, hang on? It depends. My best stand is literally a redneck blind on top of a peanut trailer. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, that, just move it whenever you want to do it? That well, type of plan? the tires are all flat, but it's uh, – Yeah, okay. It's, so it, it's there permanent. for a while. Yeah. But it's 20 hey, I yards. like having a hunt out of blinds. I didn't start doing that until the past few years. It's – you get away with a lot more. Your sense a lot better. I'm becoming a big fan of it. I think we've killed like between me and some other people, we've killed probably seven bucks in five years out of it. Hell yeah! Out of that one stand. Oh, uh, one stand, and that's a honey hole, then, son. Yeah, a few at twenty yards. Um, like my buck last year, I shot it out of it, and it's just it sets up because we have these huge canals, and um, there's there's a only a handful of crossings um there's about if i can count them real quick two three maybe five or six crossings on about a mile and a half of canals damn is it just because of those shallow spots is that why they want to cross in them spots or is just we have a pipe there oh okay uh so there's actually we did have a pipe there We, we we dug them up to replace them because beavers and otters and all kinds of stuff and like gunting them up more so probably beavers than anything yeah um but the beavers kind of done some damage out there and um but the deer even the pipe that's we dug actually we dug one pipe out trying to 
lower the water some because it's so wet out there. It was affecting the crops in the fields. Yeah. Um, and so we dug some out just to try and, you know, kind of offset it and replace them because they're, they're rusted out. And uh, I think one of them got damaged when we were trying to clean it out. Um, my neighbor actually damaged it. Um, and so we're trying to, you know, fix them. But even where there there's huge gaps, it's still a little bit closer than crossing the canal. And I think the deer, like, they obviously know there's, like, gators and stuff. So they don't want to go straight through the water. It's deep water. It's, a, like, a deep yeah. canal. Um you know, probably at least five or six feet deep. And, uh, the deer are still crossing them. You can see where they're hopping over, um, in some of the smaller gaps. You um, said you got like a beaver problem. You got quite a few dams where they like damming up the water. Cause yeah. I, I hunted in a spot in Virginia where there was a bad beaver, beaver problem on the backside. And that's where the deer would cross a lot was right over those beaver dams. Yep. Well, I don't, they're not quite that big. Um, but they're just, they're mostly, we try not to let them get that big because me and my girlfriend will actually go and like pull sticks out of them. Yeah. Um, get the water flowing. Yeah. So we probably need to actually get more of like an excavator, or blow it up with Tannerite. Yeah, or something I was like going to say Tannerite that motherfucker. Fuck that'd, be the a, beavers. that'd be a cool video for sure. They would. I, I got buddies that do it. I got buddies that are, uh, you know, I don't know if you might follow them. You might see them on social media. Swamp Bros. Oh Yeah. Yep, let me say they're all about that swamp life. They got a great property in northern or midwestern Indiana or whatever you want to call it. Heck yeah, yeah, I'll definitely follow them. Yeah, um, they're, they're my good buddies. I went to high school with Parker for shit. I've known him for nine or ten years. Our parents land boarded up my two of my bucks I've killed in Indiana were on his parents' property. Really? Yep. So <clears throat> y'all have a? Are you? They have obviously more of like a swamp type property. You have some wetlands, but do you have mostly farmlands that you hunt or how? We are like the properties that I hunt, like the private pieces that I can hunt. Honestly, like everybody in the crew, uh, we're all basically farmland. Like uh, right where me and Dylan, we call the farm property. It's farmland, but it's got ridges, which is weird. Just in the area, it's got a bunch of ridges and stuff off the back sides of it. But yeah, we're mainly farmland because like, both of them they go up to the swamp because that's like a basically you could say it's a family property and uh they go up there and they just don't have the time to go up there especially parker and both of them got kids now so like jackson lives a little closer he can make it up to the swamp but parker lives close to me we only live 30 minutes apart or something he hunts that farmland as well oh wow but oh that that's the best indiana land i've ever been to is the swamp bros land really it's awesome. It's like it, like the way you're talking. It's like not quite to that level, but it's just very similar. Yeah, I saw they they definitely shoot some studs up there. Oh, dude, giants out there. That's crazy. Is it bordered to like? Because we have most of the bedding area for a good ways, um, and our property borders. It, it's kind of the neighbor's property has more like cow fields and. Um, like they'll do cotton and soybeans and corn. Yep, that, um, that's how this is too. Like their lands, like the swamp lands around the whole area, because it buds up to the Wabash River and Illinois is around the other side of that. So that's why it floods when the river gets high. I got you. Yeah, but it, yeah, I love them dudes. Great dudes and known them forever. Heck yeah. But uh, yeah. So 
you're talking about them beaver dams and everything, them deer moving through them. You got your little honey hole. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's... So why, like, why is it such a honey hole? That spot in particular, there's, um, there's a crossing 20 yards in front of the stand. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's another crossing about 200 yards in front and the deer seem to, so the ag fields are to the west and the north of it. Um, so in the mornings you'll catch the deer coming back, um, kind of feeding back. And it's a crazy, crazy, uh, spot because it's not a real good spot to hunt before work or anything because it takes a long time to get in there one and two the deer don't come back to bed until about 8 30 usually every morning mm-hmm. so by the time it's starting to get good you know it's it's already eight o'clock eight thirty, um hour yeah. and a half after daylight uh or hour after daylight um so it's just a really good spot um you know if a, you i usually hunt it on a good strong like north wind and with most of our fronts um it seems to really get them get them going um they scrape all up and down along the canal they got food water and bedding you know um yep all they need all they need so especially that secure cover too it sounds like and it seems like um i've patterned a lot of deer in the summer um and then as soon as they shed their velvet they send they tend to move like in the summer there's no deer in there because it's so thick high stem count i guess they don't want to damage their velvet yeah um so they're shaking towards them like farmlands yeah so they'll be up more like towards the oak ridges um during the summer but uh and kind of the edge of the swamp yeah because you just posted that one video what was it like seven to nine just great bucks a couple real good bucks a couple younger bucks but which uh it's the one where you were like it looked like you were filming from a phone scope or through binoculars or something oh um oh dude that's a that's a completely different property oh is Um, it yeah and we actually own that as well but um so i didn't think anybody's hunting it and i didn't think it was being leased but apparently we're leasing it to the farmer and the farmer has you know i thought he just had farming rights but apparently he has hunting rights so i don't have access there anymore like i thought i would but um, I'm actually changing jobs soon. I'm going to start working for my family and, uh, Hell yeah, keep the money in the family. Hopefully. And that's what I told my uncle. I was like, you know, if, if that property ever gets for sale or if we're ever going to sell it, you know, cause it's mostly, it's about 420 acres of ag and, uh, primo, like it's an old cow field right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, like they don't plant ag right there in no. the middle area. Okay. And the and the farmer uh, basically pays for the to lease that as well because he doesn't want anybody to have cows since okay. he don't want cows to get in his crops. Um, but eventually, I'll I'll get it. Um, but yeah, I was yeah. just out there. Just, That'd be awesome. I mean, I just looked on the map and saw. I was like, I'm I'm mostly looking at that property for turkey hunting because our property doesn't really set up very well for turkeys um they're, they're yeah, that's how, there that's how most of ours are yeah so they roost on our property but then they go loaf out in the fields all day and you know they may kind of come back in about mid-morning um but for whatever reason we can't burn or anything like that so 
the turkey habitat is not ideal. Um, and I guess just lower turkey numbers across the board anyways, but, um, there's years we've had tons of jakes, tons of gobblers. Um, and like last year I shot two on our property. I let another buddy shoot another one. And so, you know, three turkeys off one, one area, and there might've been four or five and the neighbor is going to shoot one or two, you know? So this year, I, I didn't even get a picture of a gobbler. And that's poor management on my bad, on my part. Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes it happens. And so I didn't realize the numbers were that low, you know. And uh, Yeah. See, I never really cared too much about turkey. And I've always turkey hunted, but this was definitely the hardest I've ever went at was this year. Yeah, that was me last year. Last year, I was a turkey nut. I was yeah going every chance I get or could go, and then – I missed a few times. Um, I missed once, and my gun didn't go off another time. No. Oh. And it was just like one thing after another. And finally, I got – I doubled up, um, like, the last weekend of the season. And the only reason I did double, normally – I mean, I wasn't planning on shooting two. Um, but it was the last year it was legal in Georgia. So, this year, Georgia changed their laws. And, one bird uh, state. Yeah, or one bird per day. Oh, okay, okay. That's how Kentucky is. Yeah. I think you might – I think they might have decreased the bag limit. Now it's like two um, per year. Um, You used to be hiring two? It was three last year. Damn. Yeah. So – You would say, uh, like, Georgia is probably more of a turkey state than a deer state, right? Most people have uh, more planted pines – yeah, see, that's that's what I think of when I thought of Georgia. It was like pine. That yeah, stuff. we don't really have any kind of production pines on on the big property. Um, on the other property, which is still big, it's it's got some, um, but it's mostly like pasture and fescue and and crops. Yeah, um, the fir- the property I killed my first deer buck on killed him within like what was like five or six days it was on a white pine like farm or whatever you want to call it really yeah that was in virginia so so i kind of know them south there yeah i mean turkeys turkeys like pines it seems like and that's where we'd always in virginia was we call it a cottonwood we'd always go close to them pines yeah so they like to roost up high in them and you know but this this perimeter that i'm cutting there's, it goes like we're landlocked by my neighbor. He's got a bunch of cow fields and and cotton fields as well. But uh, I did see a few turkeys out in his field um, a couple years ago. But there's really no way to like access it. Um, and so this whole year has mostly been about accessing that and making it better for deer and turkey. Yeah. There's like half the property I couldn't even access. Um, so it is a large property, but it really only hunts about like 400 acres or so, I would say. Yeah. Um, so when you're like cutting your trails, are you just like, obviously some swampy, thick land. So you're just cutting like the easiest path to cut. Or are you doing like trying to cut them in a certain way? For that one, I'm just hugging the fence line because it's the driest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to stay dry. As, as much as I can because I do plan on getting a tractor in there and uh, I put four loads of dirt in there this weekend and I just put another in today 
and uh, some like topsoil. Uh, mostly clay, just okay. reg- regular dirt. I mean, it's it's more clay than dirt. But so, uh, are you just trying to build it up? Just trying to build it up, okay, just so okay. it doesn't hold so much. Yeah, I got water. I but... if you're like trying to do something for a food plot, that's that's one question I have to ask you. You say you're in like that program, so you probably can't do much food plots, can you? Especially no. with the swampy land. It's just, I mean, I have, I don't know, most uh, deer managers or most like uh, wildlife biologists and people that really manage for deer um, would recommend probably like five or ten percent of your property and food plots yeah yeah and i mean ours might even not even be a one percent yeah but you gotta think about it you say you're planting like different trees like persimmons uh what type of persimmons are you planting down there i think it's just probably i've planted american persimmons that's Um, that's what i figured that's native here like we just started like i told you earlier that my parents let uh the property go into this like crp kind of like program and uh, we just started letting all these trees grow up and they've been growing it for probably four or five years, maybe some of them. We've cut some of them earlier and later and stuff. But uh, almost all the trees growing throughout the property are, are just natural American persimmons. Really? So and did not producing? know this until last year because they didn't start blooming until last year. Oh, wow. So we that was a great awakening. Like, no fucking way. I was, like, walking through just like I always do, just checking stuff out. I like walking the property in the summer. And uh, I'm just walking. I could see some fruit. I'm like, dude, there's no way that's persimmon. And I started walking. After I saw that one, I was like, I'm going to walk the whole thing. And then, yeah, a bunch of, like, immature persimmon trees growing everywhere. Dang, dude. That's sweet. Especially for the area we live in because I've hunted that. Like, I told you, Parker from the Swamp Bros, I could hunt his property that was right next door. And I got the permission on the other side to hunt, too. And not never seen any persimmons there. And the weird thing was I didn't I knew there was one mature persimmon right down there by the creek, but then I discovered like two more mature persimmons that for some reason last year was just a really, really good blooming year for Indiana. Oh wow. So they they bloomed out pretty good. Did they produce any fruit? Oh yeah, they produce a bunch of fruit. I'd say not like I'd say probably like an eighth of all the trees produced, maybe a tenth or something, which which ain't bad. And I'd like to get, like, somebody that knows a whole lot more than I do. Because everything I've learned, I've learned just by doing it. I mean, I watch Jeff Sturgis on YouTube and all that stuff, too. But I'm just a big believer in, like, doing it and learning it from how it works for you. Because you're in your area. I mean, there's some things that are going to work everywhere. Don't get me wrong. but Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I had no idea. I, I think I started noticing them. So I didn't realize that we had planted it until like maybe three or four years ago, because there's like the cypresses, you can see it. They're they're like planted pines almost. They're in nice neat rows. You can look at it yeah. on, on the aerial, and there's definitely defined sections of planted cypress. But the persimmons, I think, were kind of put wherever, and there's really no like map of it. There yeah, might no be rhyme like, or reason for it. Just oh, let's place one here. Yeah, and so I started noticing a lot, um, but I think that there's a lot that look like persimmons, but they're not. But then we definitely do have persimmons, but there's a tree called like a Japanese cherry or something like that, or some kind of cherry tree um, that look exactly, almost identical to the leaves, Um, but they're almost poisonous to livestock, I believe. Really? But... I did notice, I started noticing, so how I figured out we had persimmons and started asking questions about it was because I started noticing 
persimmon, like in the deer droppings, there's persimmon seeds. Yeah, I, I never even thought about looking at the deer droppings and see that. Yeah, so they're everywhere. I'm like, well, I got to find these. And so I found probably eight groups of trees after that. So it's like you said, you know, you're not going to, until you actually do it and kind of look for it and know what to look for, then you're not yep. going to not gonna Now that I know it. the bark, now they know the bark, like there's a couple of trees, like one or two trees that look similar, but that bark's very distinctive on an American persimmon once you know it. See, and that's more of like a, uh, like a mature tree. And yeah. ours are, I don't know, like, I would love to find where out, like, where they planted them specifically. Because um, they started planting, what did you say, 20 years ago? Yeah. So I have no idea even where they're at. And everything's oh, yeah. so grown Some up. of them got to be great, like, pretty mature persimmons by that point. Yeah. Because they're a pretty fast-growing tree. They're not real fast, but they're not slow. Well, I've noticed that, like, a lot of our trees, they seem to have, like, a disease, Um and I don't know if it's because they're just getting choked out or what, but um, it seems that a lot of them, they'll do really good one year, and that's when I'll notice them, and then the next year they almost look dead or they're, yeah. they're, they're dying or something. So I'm not sure if there's a like some kind of blight or what or if there's anything I can do about that. Um, I always I heard, I don't know if this is true, but for like a fruit tree, if it produces every like two, two or three out of five years, that's a great tree. Cause some don't, some produce every, like, this is just like going off memory from years ago, but, uh, some of them produce like once every five years and stuff like that. So that may be true because some of them, like they'll produce really good. And then I'll actually cut some of the limbs down. That's probably not good either, but I'll cut the, cause they're so high up there. I'll just take like a, um, not a pole saw, but you know, one of like a, like a long, um, it's got like a hook on the end and you yep, pull, yep, I use those. You pull a rope and it just cuts it. It's yep. like a ten foot long pole. Mm-hmm. So I'll cut some of those off and I'll put that, you know, out for feed because we can feed in Georgia. Um uh but even though we can feed in Georgia and I do feed a lot, I haven't really I've killed probably half my bucks not feeding. Mostly just like rutting. And I don't think yeah. Even though I have oh, like I'm all for it. If it's legal in your state, go for it. Like we're trying to get some land in Kentucky here in the future and we're definitely gonna be baiting all all year. Oh yeah. And I, I think supplemental feeding and, and baiting is is great because it draws the deer in. If you're having trouble, you know, getting them, you know, to actually sit still for you and you don't I mean it's great yep. for us because the deer is so thick. And that's, like, part of my, my strategy has been just I'll cut, like, 80 yards into the woods um, off, like, a main road because they're not going to be really traveling along the main road. Um, but just I'll cut 80 yards into their bedding area as far as I can, you know, get into the bedding area and put a pile of corn in there. And they'll hit that pile of corn like it's, you know, their job. Basically. Oh, yeah. If you get it close to their bedding, they'll be eating on it all day, I've noticed. Um, but it's crazy with as much as I do bait and as much as I do feed, I've killed probably just as many just doing natural, like, rutting behavior. Yeah. Do you um, ever try to get, like, in between them and the feeder? I haven't really done that, um, per se. Um, but, see, I've been feeding. I've had this one feeder out for about – this is going on my third year, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I haven't, I still haven't killed a deer over it. Yeah. Um, See, that's one thing. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to put a feeder out there. I'm going to kill a giant buck. Sometimes, yeah, it's going to happen, but it's more rare than actually doing it. Yeah. And, I mean, there was times last year I filmed a deer. Not saying I wouldn't do it. It's just I haven't done it yet. But, um, you know, there's definitely definitely ways to kill deer. And I think, like, I still use, you know, general woodsmanship and – and playing the wind and, you know, yep. just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Yep. Um, There's a lot of luck that goes into it. You can do everything right, but you got, it's got to be that luck that that buck's going to walk through there that day. Yeah. So just, I mean, I, I think if you do everything right in the preseason, early season, then mm-hmm. your chances go up that you're going to be in a good position. Yeah, um, I'm a big believer fall. in that too, 100%. But, so, uh, yeah, I want to talk – one thing I want to talk about you, you're big on hunting bedding areas, right? Oh, yeah. So, let's go into, like, some of your tactics. You you have private, but you hunt public land too, don't you? Oh, yeah. So, Try. like, uh, what's your difference from, like, scouting some private land compared to public land? Like, what would you say, like, are some of your noticeable difference that you do? Um, As far as, like, Ohio goes – I found a property up there, it's public land. I had access to about 600 acres of private land, and I felt more confident on the pri- on the public because of the amount of bedding. Really? Just so, super thick areas? Yeah. Um, just huge, um, like, I don't know if, it's probably just native grasses um, had grown up in this, like, river bottom huge pinch point between a massive uh cornfield and a river and there's like a funnel there like a a big i mean it was probably a four or five hundred acre piece that i was hunting but kind of bottlenecked in between them i yeah i found the bottleneck where it it pinched down about 20 yards and uh yeah that's a spot to be in the midwest oh yeah and uh i plan on going back in about two weeks and hanging a camera um so I'm about to be in between jobs. So I'm going to be traveling as much as I can before I start my next job. So I might go up to Iowa and kind of look. But um, for the most part, I look for some of the same setup, same pinch points. If, you know, because I've seen such like awesome pinch points and funnels and the way our canals are set up, that's really like, I, I think I learned that from like watching uh growing deer on uh, dr grant woods yep love that dude talking about funnels and pinch points and everything like that and that really got my wheels spinning um and just seeing how deer you know react to them and use them and uh i look out as far as like hunting from above so like i pretty much uh i'd gone to ohio planning on hunting this guy's property that my girlfriend uh one of her friends knew this guy yeah so it was just kind of like um i was just fully expected to be hunting his prime cropland and, and so ohio, it's ohio private land you, you're yeah. like hey, there's, there's public land closer but yeah I'd, I'd be thinking the same thing but immediately like so the first day we got there um uh, we he was busy we couldn't really get a hold of him he's like you know i'll meet with y'all in a little while and so I started looking at public land, 
<clears throat> close by and some of the first things I started looking at, I was just like, Oh my gosh, these are just great funnels. Great. You're looking on Onyx or what like what app do you like using? I use Hunt Stand. Um, okay, yeah, I've used that. They're definitely to, different. I like using them all because they all have different like math perspectives. Yeah, I've used Onyx um before. Uh but most of my stuff is on was on Scout Look. Um I don't know if you even heard of that one or familiar Honestly, with that one. Now that you say that I I think I do. Like way not way back in the day, but a few years back. A few years back, yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. But even probably when I first started, maybe even like seven years ago, that's all I had was I think it was even before Onyx really. Yeah, I don't think Onyx has been around that long. And there's something called Scout Look and uh me and my buddy we both had the app and so we would kind of pin stuff and on our property um and then i think hunt stand bought them out and so scout look became hunt stand well dude i don't know if about you. i think you are right now that you say that i'm almost like 100 percent sure you're right that sounds yeah yeah because i was pissed at first but because um, some of the settings changed, and I really liked the way Scout Look worked at the time, and Hunt mm-hmm. Stand changed some things. Um, but now it's it's super easy. I you know I recommend it to anybody. Um, but and I have the the pro version and everything. But see, I've never had the pro version. The pro version is way better. I, I, we have the pro version on Onyx, and it's just crazy what you can do with it. Yeah, so I'm able to like look at property lines. So the whole time before the trip i was like i'd already looked and figured out where this guy had all his property and it's not one big property he had like 10 or 12 properties yeah. and the guy he actually passed away a couple months ago a mm. crazy like tragic accident he was the nicest guy ever um showed me around his property got me even permission on some other people's property because uh, he he did have some people hunting his property and I was yeah. like, man, I don't really want to, you know, intrude, you know, is there, is there anything else, you know, cause I was pounding the public though, the whole time. Something just told me, you know, keep after it on the public. Um, but I was still running cameras. You can bait in Ohio. I was, you know, I didn't even, I brought like maybe six bags of corn. I didn't even go through them all, but yeah. I just had like, it was really like the last day or two, like a couple of days that he put me on some like real good property. Um, the, there's some people from Atlanta that have property up there and he, you know, we signed the, the waiver saying that, you know, they gave us permission and everything. Um, but it was like, we hunted there like one time and I was like, I just need to go back to this public. And, uh, Hey, you got to follow that gut. I'm a big believer in following that gut. Sometimes it'll mess you up, but more times than not, it's going to help you out. Yep. And so I just sat down in that pinch point again about got attacked by coyotes. Really? uh, Yeah. I had, a whole pack of coyotes come up out of the river um in the dark oh um, fuck that yeah at about i mean i'm one of them was like five yards or less like probably five really feet. yeah i and, never had uh, nothing like that happen i've lived in the midwest most of my life yeah dude crazy so there's at least three or probably i know there's at least three coyotes that came up what do you and, think they were uh, doing? Like actually kind of being aggressive or just like checking out what I you think were? they were just probably checking me out because all right so Walking into that property, um, and we had heard them, um, like maybe a couple of days before, and so I knew they were in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if, it's, if the coyotes know it's a pinch point, like they're using it the same way we are. Yep, both better. And, uh, and they can't. It sounded like they came up out of the river, and uh, it was a pretty big river. 
Um, but so I'm sitting on the ground too. I, I hunted oh, on the ground shit. the entire time, and the wind had switched. It was like the last morning. It was a Friday, and the next Saturday I was like, definitely like we need to leave because it's like almost two day drive. And uh, so, anyways, it's Friday morning, and I was sitting on the ground, and it was like raining and uh, sleeting and stuff. So sitting there and I just got set up and they came up out of there and literally they started like this one was like kind of zigzagging his way to me. And, uh, I think my wind was good cause it wasn't like, I don't know if they, they might've whiffed me or they smelled me a little bit, but they didn't really like know it was me, you know, really. Yeah. And so you're so, on public land. So they, they, they're used to smelling that. Yeah. But also the spot I found was just, there was no hunter pressure. There yeah. was hunter pressure all around. And say, it sounds like, were you, like, in the backside of a property or just, like, one of them little honey holes? I was in a spot, I mean, I, I wouldn't tell you every podcast where I was at, but it was, like, one of oh, those, yeah. uh, it was one of those spots that most people probably don't want to hunt. Hey, that's a big thing for killing bucks <laughs> on public. I hear everybody say that, the overlooked, like, small spots where people kill big bucks every year. Well, it was, it was pretty close to, to the DNR station. And, uh, the, I, I just don't think many people were really wanting to hunt, you know, right yep. in that area. Exactly. And, uh, hey, that, that's awesome. You're thinking out of the box like that. That's the well, difference. It was me blindly like walking in there. I had no idea. Oh, really? I had no idea. And, uh, I just found it on the map and just scouted it. And, uh, so it was pretty, uh, pretty cool spot though. And, um, and I, I was walking back that morning, and there's a guy next to my truck, and I thought he was kind of following me around the day before. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, I don't really want to get out of the truck. He's right beside my truck. Nobody parked there. I, I was there that morning first, and not that I have any problem, like, talking to anybody on public land, but I just kind of, like, you know, didn't want to. Sometimes really... you get that feeling, dude. Like, yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what you mean. I Yeah. So I just didn't want to go back to my truck. So I ended up making like a big loop and, uh, I went back and there was like a, uh, a freaking awesome deer trail. So I'm like on my phone marking it on hunt stand and I look so up. You're, pr- you're pretty close to a road. It sounds like, right? Oh yeah. Just uh, like a main road. People were yeah. driving by. Um, and but I'm in there kind of in this transition area between the field and some like real tall, like briars. And, and then it gets into some swamp grass and, um, yeah. just real thick river bottom stuff. And so I'm standing there and I look up and I'm thinking the coyotes bumped this deer because the coyotes went that way. And the co- the deer looked like on high alert. And, uh, so he had his head up and he started running and I know he didn't went, smell me. But like um, you actually saw the buck at this point? Yeah, I saw the buck. Okay. And so I crept up about maybe five yards and, you know, took a knee and got ready. And he, sure enough, came through one of my openings. Um, But that was crazy. That was my first public land buck. And I haven't hunted a ton of public land. That was that was your first one? Yeah. And how, I mean, like how, how many years have you hunted Ohio? That was my first year. Okay. Like when, what year was that? That was last year. Okay, hell yeah, dude. That's awesome, bro. 
especially a Georgia boy coming up to the Midwest. But every every time I hear them Georgia boys come up to the Midwest, they're like, oh, this is so much easier. It It is and it isn't. Uh, okay, give me your reasonings. Why is it and why isn't it? Uh, the the private land I hunted was way harder because yeah. there's no woods. There's none. Yeah. And the deer... Or, so, he just had, like, finger woods, I'm guessing? He had maybe... So, he might have had, like, a 200-acre uh, block of cropland, and it was, like, prime, you know, corn. Yeah. Um, but even the woods that we went in, the sign wasn't real fresh. It wasn't real thick. You can see all the way across to the other side. See, that's a that's a lot of the land where we hunt in our areas, and then you get these guys like in uh, where I hunt, like by my parents' land. It's it's good it's it's good property. Don't get me wrong. Like there's this creek, and then the opposite side is a big ridge, which is weird for the area. It is. It's probably a hundred foot, hundred twenty five foot like ridge. It's not like super steep or nothing. Then it goes up to huge ag fields. And then you go to the next property, and it's a sanctuary where this dude doesn't let nobody hunt, and it's legit the best looking property within five miles. Really? Yep. And he's got like pines, like we were talking about, which is rare for the area we're in. He's wow. got prime ag land, like great like finger woods going in between all of it, and it's just like right in the middle of everything. Heck yeah! Which is honestly great for us because them bucks know that too. They're gonna be there, but once that rut rut hits, and then. They're the girls start getting hot. See, I to me, um, and I talked to my my buddy that goes up there and hunts too, and he said that, you know, he's like, you're gonna think that it's crazy to hunt some of these spots, but there's deer there. Oh and yeah, I'm like, I'm See, like that's that's kind of what I'm configuring more with this public land too, because it's it's definitely different. We haven't done Ohio. We just started doing Kentucky last year, uh, dealing from the bloodline. He went and bought a tag, and I just filmed him, and we didn't go super hard into it. But next year, I'm buying the tag, so we're going hard. Heck, yeah. Well, I'm planning on going up to Kentucky. Um, really? Yeah, it's on my way to Ohio, but I may go up to Iowa first. Cause I Bro, you should come up opening weekend of Kentucky, and you got a place to stay for free. Nice yeah. cabin. That would be sweet. Because that's That'd what be we're sweet. trying to do. Because we all miss the camaraderie because I grew up in Virginia where they like we had a hunting club, ran dog and stuff, and you'd always have everybody bullshitting an hour and a half in the daylight half the time. I just yeah. – I don't miss that. I want to be hunting. But I just miss like having that – all the guys at the campfire talking about what we saw that morning, like what, what our game plan is going into the, the first day's hunt and stuff. And we're trying to get everybody to come in. That would be sweet, dude, because, yeah, I mean – And it's, it's all around – great public land within an hour drive like more public land than you you want to walk really yeah dude is it mostly hills or is it yeah oh it, uh, dude it's, it's pretty hilly but i mean it's a mixture of both because they got like they got like farmlands and kentucky does way more than anywhere public land wise i've ever seen like i even heard years ago they did even more but they do a bunch of like crops and they're cutting good paths especially like early season they don't cut as many paths so it's honestly better because not as many people hunt it for one but uh dude yeah we'll have to talk about it after the podcast and oh, also, yeah. it'd be awesome dude i would love kentucky to have would be sick. and dude. this is northern kentucky and dude i'm not within two hours more public land in kentucky than you want to mess with That'd and we awesome, got a dude. free place to stay with dylan his aunt just lets us come up there and she knows if we vouch for him they're good Dude. Early season, hey, they got a pool too, dude. Early season, we can jump in the pool. It'll definitely be hot now. Heck yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Down south, it definitely stays hot for sure. Yeah, we're not used to that, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're already seeing tons of gators, tons of snakes. I mean, that's about the only bad part about living down here. I mean, I love the weather. I love the heat, the humidity, you know, can be a lot sometimes. But Yeah, exactly. One I mean, cool thing about where we live, we got so much ag land. Like, we really don't see poisonous snakes that often. Like, really? Because we have so many rat snakes and brown snakes. And, like, uh, I just don't kill them because I know they can't hurt us. And they, they're they the ones that eat the poisonous snakes. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah, we like, leave- my parents' property is full with, like, black rat snakes or whatever they're called. Big, I don't know. I just know they're – they pop out of the holes, dude. It's kind of crazy. That is crazy. You'll be, you'll be bush hogging it, and you'll see, like, little holes, and you're like, is that a crawdad hole, or is that a snake hole? And then you'll be driving by the other side, like, a few feet away, and you just see them popping their heads up about four or five inches. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I ran into an indigo snake the other day. I never heard of that. What is that? They're protected. They're endangered. And really? uh, they're, I believe they're the longest North American snake. Really? But they kill freaking rattlesnakes. Yep, exactly. Are they like like skinny and long? No, they're fat and black, and they're they're like super long. Damn. Um, it says most adult eastern indigo snakes are about sixty to eighty-two inches in total length. No These shit. Large and thick-bodied snakes are glossy black. Like, uh, all right, what's thick? Like coke can thick or D battery thick? Uh, bigger than a D battery. Yeah, fuck that, dude. Probably, and I don't know if like you've ever been around a snake in a field. You cannot outrun a snake. No, this. I mean, he was. He was. Before I even had a chance, I was like walking. I'd done some cutting like the day before, and I've almost. I've been bit on the boot by a rattlesnake in this almost exact spot, and uh, probably within a hundred yards of that spot, checking scrapes in like October, and uh, I was by myself. And same thing, I do a lot of stuff by myself. That's Yeah, that's me too. That's that's a cool kind of scary, especially living in Georgia. Fuck that, Yeah, dude. I'm always in snake boots. I invested in some snake chaps, and I knew some of these brush piles I had cut were probably prone to some, you know, rattlesnakes. Like what, what are snake chaps exactly? I, I, like, I have a picture in my head, but don't they kind of, like, clip around your, your boots and then go up your knee and shit? No, so these are actually snake-proof, waterproof. They're called frog legs. Okay. Um, and Dan's boot company makes them. And my grandma gets me a new pair of boots just about every year. That's what I ask yeah, for, her granny. for Shout for out Christmas. to granny. Shout out to granny. And <laughs> she hooks me up. Like she saved my life a couple of times with these snake boots. Cause I mean, I'll wear a pair out and some of these, I usually use Irish setters for the snake boots, but I've been eyeing these snake chaps, um, for, as, Hey, sorry to interrupt. Has your granny lived her there her whole life? Oh yeah. And say she wants her little grandbaby to come back. She's like, I'll pay a couple hundred bucks or oh, hundred yeah. bucks. You know? I mean, that's all she really gets. I mean, the, she, hey, grandparents, we, there will never be nobody like our grandparents. Nobody. She's they're the best. just a different breed, dude. They've seen so much shit. Yeah, they they. She's definitely been through a lot, and she was actually like, um, I think she worked for like the state doing like child protective services. So yeah. she's got that protective instinct already so yeah, she knows awesome. that she knows how i am and my grandpa was pretty adventurous too 
So hey, like we're at the age now, we care so much about deer hunting. It's got to get done, and nobody else is going to do it. That's right. So you know, she's always looking out for me. And so this year, I told her I was like, I got this really you know kind of expensive pair that I want to get because <laughs> they uh, they sew the boot in, uh, they sew the chap into the boot. Okay. And so they're waterproof. Um, you know, that was part of my problem with, um, I know they make some waterproof, like, uh, neoprene boots now, but Honestly, I have no idea. What is that? How hard like snake proof neoprene boots? So just like a regular muck boot, just a regular, oh, okay, like okay, okay. rubber boot, um, snake bite proof. Yeah. But for some reason, I feel like that those are not fully snake proof. And some of the stuff I do and some of the stuff like I go through is just, you never know um, yeah, where exactly. a snake could be, especially doing all this cutting um, that, I mean, I'm cutting through stuff that's taller than me. So I'm say shit, and out there in like, Georgia, you got to have like hanging snakes, right? Like being the limbs and shit. I, yeah, there's, I've, I've had some being the limbs like when I was a kid. Um, Mostly around like ponds and stuff. I go mess with them when I got bored, but there'd be moccasins hanging up on limbs. Um, really? Just chilling. And uh, I've heard from like a family friend who's helping my uncle uh, track a deer one time that there was like a rattlesnake, you know, about chest high on a bush. And uh, obviously, if it's chest high, there's not much. I'm not going to be out there in like a full body suit, but. Yeah, these, yeah, these pretty much go up to your belt loops. Um, okay. They're, they're just like, you know, if you look at chainsaw chaps. Um, yep, yep, yep. Kind of similar to that. They just hook into, loop into your, you know, hook into your belt loops. and um, uh, But they're all on one, so they got the boot inside of it. So you're... Waterproof you're, and snakeproof. That's, I mean, that's what you have to have. Like, I mean, I honestly, for how much I love being on my land, I, I wouldn't do it without it. Yeah. I'm too big of a pussy when it comes to snakes, dude. I and I've killed probably a thousand poisonous snakes. Um mm. at, at this point. And so I mean dude, that's crazy. Yeah. See, I mean, that's one thing people don't think about when you're like hunting the south, especially like Georgia, Florida. That's the two main I think about. I mean it's wild, dude. I mean there's Expe- not- especially turkey season, dude. Like there's, how is how is hunting turkeys like sitting on the ground? I couldn't even. Imagine. I, I have to like, I, during turkey season, I'm not scared to shine my flashlight before I sit down. <laughs> like Dude. during deer season, you know, turkeys are time, dumb too. They're smart, but they're dumb. Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to look, even like especially before I sit down all around me. I sat in like a mud puddle when I shot those two birds last year, mm-hmm. and I mean, just snaky, water moccasin and type stuff okay it sounds like the property you're mainly on is just like the prime habitat for snakes it is and i mean i've put a put a like bad snakes like we got the good snakes in the farmland you just isn't it among mostly like poisonous snakes out there in the swamps dude i could so i mean i think it was like january one of the last hunts of the year i was taking my buddy and uh i'd killed a snake like literally the day before how late did you see I know you're quite a bit later than us, if I remember correct. About mid-January. Okay, not much different than we're like in between the first week week of January. But our guns last (coughs) three months. Damn. Almost. So October, (coughs) mid-October 
to mid January. That's how long our gun season is. Damn. Um, but de- like, so I killed a snake the day before. I might have killed two um, on the way out, and then so we we're going on the way in, and there's a snake eating one of the dead snakes. Really? A mo- another moccasin. And uh, before I even get up off the four wheeler. Uh, like cause my, I was about to shoot it. We brought a shotgun just in case we saw some ducks. And uh, so I was about to shoot it. And he's like, no, no, no. We're, you know, trying to be quiet at least because we're trying to deer hunt too. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a gig with me, just a frog gig. So I was going to gig it. And uh, so I'm about to step off the foiler. And I look down, there's probably a moccasin almost five feet long, like two Damn. feet from my foot, two like right next to the tire. And uh, so I'm wow. like, nope, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> I'm shooting. Both I would have been boom, boom, yeah. boom. And uh, that's that's the thing. And then I want to say there was a snake or two eating those snakes when we came back. I mean. Fuck, I didn't know snakes did that. They are, they're carnivores, dude. Um, and Sounds like the cottonmouths must be worse than the others. Dude, they're bad. Um they're, I mean, they're mean. Like they'll they'll come at you. They really will. Like some I, snakes, I like most snakes are scared of you. Like, but some of them are like uh, poisonous snakes. Is always poisonous snakes. They'll come at you because we've been canoeing, bro. And we've had them come at us. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I had one come at me while I was fishing. But that was it was probably my fault because I would go mess with them a little bit when I was bored. Yeah, I mean we were kids. And uh, yeah, wasn't catching anything, and one definitely did come at me, but that was dude, my it's fault. It's one of the most scary things because <laughs> I'm super afraid of snakes, but especially on water, you see a snake, oh, dude, I'm, yeah. I, I turn into a schoolgirl. Like legit, if I have a paddle or a stick, I'm fucking splashing and running. Well, I I went to a spot like when you shoot them, are you shooting with birdshot? So I have a pistol. It's a 410 pistol, so it shoots a 410 shotgun shell. Like um, the Judge? Yeah, similar to the Judge. It's a Bonds Arms 410, okay. 45, long Colt. Um, so I'll shoot them with that, but most of my snakes I've killed, I've killed with just a stick. Yeah, oh, dude, that's how I am. Like, Whatever I'm fishing close. and I see a poisonous snake, he's dead. Yeah. I've... In my younger days, I'd kill every snake, but now I'm like, eh. Let's let the, the water snake live. The weird thing about where we live, we, we mainly have to worry about copperhead. That's like 90% of our poisonous snake problem. We got other ones, but... And they look just like a water snake, dude. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, you have to... Especially moccasins and water snakes look a lot alike. Really? They're almost identical um, sometimes. But if you really look at them, you can definitely tell, like, the triangular head. Um, yeah. And the markings on their around their eyes and stuff. Yeah, um, I usually don't want to look at them that close. I usually clobber them. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I've I set up on the ground um, in the swamp one time, and there was probably I was there probably five minutes um, setting up, kind of looking to see if I needed a like if I if a deer came out where I would need to shoot through. I was yep. in like six seven foot tall grass and bushes kind of stuff but it's right off the swamp edge um not really cattails but kind of cattails um but i was there five minutes or so sitting on the ground and just kind of settled down and i looked about five feet in front of me 
and there's probably a three foot water moccasin just coiled up looking at me. That's a big one, right? Yeah, that's pretty decent. Like, cause they get fat, they get coke can fat. Um, they ain't no shit. Yeah, they most of the time oh, they don't get real yeah. long like that. You know, I've seen some big ones. I've seen some that literally like pythons. Like, dude, I've uh, seen anaconda. I remember it was Ice Cube or Ice T. Like, I saw that shit. I was like, fuck the Amazon. No, I'm telling you, like, I've seen some, like, going over lily pads and their head's about the size of your fist. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, it's gnarly out there. Um, but, definitely, there's more poisonous snakes than non-poisonous snakes. And Jeez, that's so scary. Like, where we live, you don't have to worry about poisonous snakes, like, if you see when it's rare, like that's honestly, crazy. The past two or three years, I don't think I've seen a poisonous snake. I really don't. Like I think I've put a dent in the population. <laughs> You've had to, John. Because like when I'm telling you, I would kill like two on the way into the hunt and two on the way back. That's no joke. Like I've done that multiple times where they they're eating the dead ones. That's crazy. Within hours, I've never heard that. Within hours of killing them. Like like they, I got this spot where I hunt in between two properties. It buds up for like a 25-acre uh, piece to like a 7 to 80-acre piece or something like that. And I had to walk across this bridge like on a main road and always a snake sitting on it. They're water snakes usually, I think, but I don't ever get close enough to like look at them. Because they always catch me off guard. Like I never see them from 20 feet away. I always see them from like three or four. Because, like, here in Indiana, we don't look for snakes like you do, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm constantly looking. Like, they'll catch me off guard, but normally I'm looking and I see them first. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah, been a I couple mean, times when you're just I've used to it, on. You know what I mean? It's a whole different ballgame out here. Like, seeing snakes is rare. Like, if we do, it's a black snake when we're bush hogging or something, usually. Or, unless you're right by a creek. If If you let your guard down, it seems like rattlesnakes scare me more. Um, hey, I killed a rattlesnake once in Utah. Really? Diamondback. I don't know. Honestly, sorry if that's like illegal or something, but it about killed my cousin's dog. And we didn't even think about it. We were kids. I was probably 14 or 15. And then we, 22s, we were just plinking some jackrabbits, having a good time. Like, we we both walked within probably a foot or two of this piece of sagebrush, never saw it. Then his dog was walking behind us and, like, smelt it because he was a dog. And then we heard the rattle and struck at him. Luckily, missed him. Wow. Dude. And this was, like, a five or six foot. It was a Diamondback Western Rattlesnake. Oh, but... wow. I would have I lit him up, too. Dude, like, yeah. I mean, because my cousin's from Utah. And he's like, that's a fucking rattlesnake. Instantly, like, that's because they got, like, cattle and, like, livestock, all that. We instantly lit it up. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. He kept a rattler, dude. It had like six to eight. I can't remember. It's been so so many years, but I heard that that's like the lifespan of them. I don't know if that's true. I believe for every rattle, and this is what I've heard, um, it's about a year and a half per rattle. Okay. I so, mean, dude, he was a stud like you were talking about. He wasn't he wasn't quite a coke can, but just below. Yeah, I've seen some. The biggest one I killed had about 14 rattles. Holy fuck. I've never even heard of one that big. And I had never seen a rattlesnake in the wild before. Like, we have something called the Rattlesnake Roundup. Have you ever heard yeah, of that? Yeah, that's the only one I've ever seen ever. And I, I go to Utah every few years. Well, there's this thing where, like, they bring in rattlesnakes from all over. And, like, there'll be, yeah. like, a few hundred rattlesnakes. Well, I had never seen one in real life. 
mm-hmm. and uh, like in the wild. And this was probably right when I was first starting to like really get into hunting. And uh, and I was on a four wheeler, um, just riding around, and we come across this trail. And I, I I'm telling you, dude, I never measured him, but he had to have been pushing close to six foot. Um, That's huge. Like rattlesnakes, they're not long snakes, you know. That some of them get really big, um, but that was the biggest one. Like immediately, I thought python. And, then it and that right. was in Georgia. That was in Georgia. That was. Yeah, uh, that's a, are those the Eastern Diamondbacks, right? No, we have a what do you call timber rattlers or cane brakes. Yep, that's what it is. Yep. There's some um, Eastern Diamondbacks, like kind of where my girlfriend's from. Um, Where's she from? She's up from like Eastman, Georgia. It's a couple okay. hours from here. Um, but I had never heard of it until I started dating her. But apparently, they have a lot of rattlesnake. Um, eastern diamondbacks they do have timbers cane breaks there but the the timbers don't really rattle at you until you're either stepping on them or after they strike they'll strike you before they rattle yep that's what everybody says like if you ever hear a rattler and you see him and he doesn't rattle instantly shoot him like everybody says shoot him anyway but if they say they don't rattle because some of them don't yeah i remember like all my uh, uncles and my grandpa and everybody tell me, I say, you're goddamn rather not rattling. You don't shoot them. They're not come home. Yeah, like, all right, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Shoot them. Shoot them all. Like, yeah. I know some people, it's a kind of a hot topic now, but people like, I mean, if I had that many rattlesnakes still like in moccasins in the swamp, I'm telling you, like, I couldn't walk to my stand without stepping, no. stepping on one. And yeah, dude, it's just. It's not even fun to go hunting if you have to if you have to deal with that when there's like, that many. Don't get me wrong, I love animals, but fuck snakes, like poisonous snakes. Like, hey, isn't the devil a sign of the snake? Come on, exactly. Like, that should be like, the first sign. Yeah, exactly. I'm just yeah, exactly. Like rat snakes and stuff, I understand. They can't Some hurt us. Are good. They're, they're not going to kill us. Yeah, but if they're poisonous, fuck them all, dude. That's how I feel. Yeah, especially. I mean. The yeah, one I can that, imagine growing up in Georgia, dude, with my like fear of snakes. It's wild. Wow. Eventually, you'll get over it, but like I've had a couple times where like I'll scream like a little girl, like yeah, I'm not gonna lie, like scream as loud as I can. It's just a reflex, ooh, ooh, like ooh, ooh. yeah, just <laughs> scream bloody murder as soon as like you about step on one or like I had one. I was it was like midday when you're by yourself and you're like end up talking to yourself like. You're like, fuck, that was crazy. And you're like, I'm straight up talking to myself right now. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm bad about it. And but you're like, hunting. Some crazy shit happens. I got to say it out loud. Dude, it's wild. Um, I had one that I was sitting that morning. So a lot of times, like, the mornings are cool. The evenings are, like, afternoons are hot or warm. And stuff will start moving. Um, and I hunted a spot that morning. And I came back at lunch because I saw the buck chasing a giant buck, probably 140s plus the day before. And uh, I got permission to hunt the the neighbor's property where I saw it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, just absolute biggest buck I'd ever seen. I, I mean, I thought he was like 180s at first, but I think he was probably more like 140s. Um, hey, isn't it always true they look so much bigger on the hoof? Oh, dude! Especially running away, that dude, that away, yeah, freaking huge. And he was actually two properties over when I saw him. But I talked to my neighbor with a cow field, and I was like, "Hey, man, you mind if I hunt that cow field? I just saw a giant." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, sure, man, go ahead." 
and uh, I was hunting there that morning, and I came back that afternoon, and literally where I was sitting that morning, that rattlesnake was there. But I instead of looking, really, yeah, and normally I look down before I step, but I was just so ready, like I stepped in the opening and threw my gun up, and then that's when I saw him like strike or rattle. I don't know what he did, but like I had freaking just a few blades of grass in between us, kind of like some tall grass in between us and I screamed like a little girl and and I didn't want to blow my hunt so I beat him with a stick I I beat him with my shooting stick I broke my shooting (laughs) stick on him really see that's some me shit bro when I see a snake I don't care what's going on but But, uh, man I want to hear about one of these white tail stories like I, I've been following you for a while, and you hadn't posted any like stories. Of you killing your bucks, and you posted that bedding story, and you got me hooked. That's when I hit, like messaged you. I was like, "All right, John's got it going on. I want to, I want to talk about it." So, what's like your number one? Even if it's not a bedding story, we can either get in that on this one or another one. Like, what's your when you think about your favorite hunt ever? What is it? Um. They come from different reasons. I feel like when I say my favorite hunt, I got like two or three for different I, reasons. I do have a few. Um, probably my favorite hunt is, is for that buck that I probably shot in, in 2019. That fucking stud. What was yeah. he, eight or a ten? He was like an 11, I believe. He? And he was missing his G2. He was real funky on one side. He would have scored pretty like, high. I love them tall bucks. He was like he was wide, but he's like more of that tall and tight. You could say, yeah. He he really didn't score because I I estimate him probably about one thirty five. Oh uh, fuck! I yeah, think he's way bigger than that, is he not? He's missing his whole G two. I think he would have been probably one mid one forties. Just missing that G two got him yeah. that good on yeah. score. But he's a huge buck, and in the, the year before he was like nothing. Like he looked like he had some kind of something wrong with them see um, that's like why like later in the podcast i'd love to like talk to some actual biologists so i can like ask them questions about that because the, the buck i shot this year he was a funky horn like just goober looking deer the two years before this year and then he finally blew into a normal looking buck he was still funky on one side but it like he was funky and like normal looking enough where it, like looked at, like a normal buck but before that, dude, he just looked like I don't know. Something was wrong with him. Yeah, that's that's how this year was. Like my buddy passed him the year before. Was like he's, he was a nice three year old then. Um, but even looking at him then, I think he might have even. I've even thought this buck might have been three years old when I killed him. Dude, this buck is the hardest buck I've ever seen because like I'm almost certain it's that buck because like looking at characteristics of him, but. That's one thing that's really hard too. Like, especially if you're from an area where bucks like travel, he's not. You're not right in his core area. Trying to figure out if it's the same buck, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I I definitely think it was the same buck, um, because it was right in his core area. I did have pictures of him um, from the year before, and he didn't even he wasn't even like on my radar. Yeah. And, would he like come back? Like, was he there the whole time, or would he come back like? during a certain part of the year we got him from like august until november okay and he just stayed pretty much close um but he was just nocturnal yeah um, that's a big problem with our bucks eventually hunting pressure the 
the rut hit, and I got them a mile away in the swamp near the peanut trailer. Wow. And, and I was like, what the heck? And, and uh, this is the bug, like, that buck that, like, that post I keep thinking about, that first post. Yeah, with the, the bedding area puck. Yep. The, yep. the one I just posted. Um, That's such a great buck. I, I would 100% man, thought he scored more than that. You should have seen the tree stand out, and I, I never put a tape on him, so I really couldn't tell you. I'm but the same way. If you look look at the pictures, he's got, he's got. I mean, he's got a G2, but where his other G2 was, his other side was very typical, and his his left side was kind of non typical. Even though yeah, he's got a good yeah. frame, um, he's got off his G2 on the other side. He's got a big kicker, about three inch kicker coming off. Um, but I mean, basically, I'd I'd shot a buck that friday in the rain at the peanut trailer so you guys get two bucks here yes i'm sorry still in virginia we get three and now it blows my mind that we used to get three bucks that is crazy i wish we did get three because i would be <laughs> shooting but some... pe- people don't understand like them southern states are different the deer numbers are crazy i don't know about georgia but virginia never seen deer numbers like it are we have such high buck numbers is crazy and some of my spots i would say we're almost at a two to one buck to doe ratio no fucking way yeah i think it's just there's so much bedding so much food (laughs) and bucks i'm pretty sure it's like a statistically fact that bucks get born like almost two to one compared to like does when they're fawns really yeah it's like i don't know if it's quite that high but buck like get born more often for some reason i don't know why it it seems like um the the area that i'm i get most of the big bucks at um they're definitely there's a lot more bucks like i counted 13 different bucks last year that's crazy on the feeder and it seems at one time um no like just oh throughout i mean that's still crazy that's crazy that yeah. you can notice, you know what I mean? It, yeah. And there's some, like, you know, the smaller bucks is kind of hard to tell. You're like, mm-hmm. is that is that a different buck or is that, you know, a new buck? And you but, love it when you get that buck that just has some weird horn. You're like, oh, I'm always going to be able to tell her. Crazy genetics. There's there's yeah. some definite, like, non-typical genetics in this area. Like, there's that buck I just posted. And he's throwing a third main beam. And, uh it looks like it anyways. And the, there was a buck four years ago, my neighbor shot that was in the same spot, did the same thing. He was probably mid one forties the year before. And then the next year he blew up about one eighties. And yeah, uh, that buck you're talking about, I'm looking at your profile right now. Is the one where he's under the big boss feeder. Yeah. So yeah. he's got some definitely good potential. I passed him last year. Um, that was definitely one of my toughest passes just cause he was just, so cool looking, and he came out right at, like, I mean, two hours before dark. Would have been awesome footage. But yeah. I think this year he's going to be a stud. And uh, I want to say there's at least one five-year-old on the feeder. Um, probably. Like, two- how's your age class where you live? It's, like, it's, on your property? It's great. My biggest. Really? Yeah. You can get, like, biggest, five, six-year-olds pretty often? Yeah. Especially wow, in, like, I 20- wish, bro. 2017 2018 i killed some really old deer yeah. um and i'm not sure how old one of them was he was 
he weighed 238 pounds, and he didn't really have a great rack. Dude, 238 for Georgia? Yeah, this is monster. That's a monster, bro. Yeah. I feel I had, like Georgia deer got to be smaller than even Virginia deer, wouldn't you say? Probably. Um, but we have so much food where I'm at. Like, Oh, yeah, you still got ag land. Honestly, Virginia didn't have much ag land at all. Yeah, we once you start to get into Florida, it seems like the deer get smaller for sure. But there's something about where I hunt, anyways. That, um, hey, you're in a honey hole, bro. Yeah, and it said like they said they dropped off some Wisconsin deer back in the day. Um, and really, anytime, like doing deer studies and stuff. Uh, just oh, now a, that you say that, I have heard that because you guys have different ruts, right? Where like some of the bucks are rut earlier like in november or something like that like a typical midwest buck is that true that's our deer i I think our deer are just on like are on par with most of the midwest states really they're maybe not as hot i remember seeing your post like you might have posted a day or yesterday where you said like you killed that buck in like november something or it might have been that fawn picture just talking about like the rut cycles well i killed that really big buck october 31st or either october 30th i think it was october 30th um and he was just a monster and that was before the rut so most of like where they're really crazy to say that's before the rut like our rut is like we always say halloween don't call before halloween but once halloween hits do what you want really yeah, so that's like that's always been my October. like our game plan. Like, how much are you grunting? Like, I'll, I'll honestly, me, I'm weird. I'll grunt year round, but I just do it different types of grunt. Once you're getting yeah. like, I do not rattle. Maybe a week or two before, just like slight sparring. But yeah, man, once Halloween hits Midwest, that's when we're fired up, Colin. Really? Yeah. So, I didn't. I don't rattle or call a whole lot. Um, you I ever use a black rack? I have. Um, I was going to say, dude, I've I've rattled throughout my whole life, legit my whole life. I've used rattle bags. I've used everything. The black rack is the shit. I don't or Midwest, think... at least Midwest. Yeah, and I just don't rattle enough um, that I've probably rattled. I've only rattled in, like, one mature buck. And... Bro, I'm telling you, like, the, the way you're describing your property, if you get in a, like, little – thick transition zone where there's a, a little opening or something and you rattle i guarantee you'll get them in Whoa. and you can i don't know how the deer are in georgia but just like do it slightly hard like i've i've legit rattled every time i rattle it seems like just, at these properties i rattle in does almost every time i've rattled in a doe before yeah dude i do it almost every time i rattle like does come in just to check it out yeah i rattled in a doe um you don't hear much people talk about that for whatever reason but that's a good point if you want to kill a doe honestly i might try to do that like opening week just to see what happens just for a video yeah honestly i think it would work well i saw a doe on the way i was walking back to my truck and i just bucks far you know what i'm saying yeah and i sat down just off on the ditch and i rattled her back in to about 100 yards yeah so I don't know why I was trying to rattle in, rattle her in, but I think I was trying to rattle a buck in, and yeah. I was like, you know, there's got to be a buck with her. Honestly, so, I think that's one of like a big part of why it's on. We think about it, we love it so much. Sometimes we overthink it. Yep. 
I really do believe that. Because, like, I think about when I was a young kid, like, not knowing a whole lot and, like, just shit, I was like, I'm going for it. And it worked. And I was like, exactly, yeah. 14 or 15. Now, that, with all the experience I have, I think I just overthink shit. See, now I'm more of like that where I probably overthink it. Um, I've like a, a doe, doe can and a, a grunt call. It's about all I'll carry into the woods now. But With the primos, you use the primo. I use the primos, doe, doe bleed. Bro, you need some, to get like, the illusion system, man. I, I I want an illusion system. I do. My buddy had a black rack, and he let me use it um, a couple times, but I don't think I ever used it. Like Dude, I probably just, just a grunt call. I will like even if I never had to use a black rack again, which I love. Their yeah. grunt call is the best grunt call I've ever used because you can switch it so quick. Yeah, to like the and they sound really good. Yeah, I, like a fawn doe bug. Watching their videos, they got some great stuff out there. For sure. Oh, illusion. I love them, man. But, uh, but uh, I called in one mature buck, and I, I watched something. I think it was growing deer. It was talking about rattling in deer. and um, So, like, I had all that, like, fresh knowledge. And, like, I've only really been hunting probably, like, seven or eight years, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, so I took a pretty big break, but then I went, like, really hard. Um when I was about 21 or so into it and I might've been like 24, 25 and just really started picking up like calling deer and stuff. And I sat on the ground and the, the thermals from the swamp was pulling all of the scent or all the wind into the swamp. The wind was supposed to be the complete other way. Yeah. And, uh, so like we got the water there. making the, the scent rise and shit. Exactly. So the the swamp was pulling in all the the air. It was like a a vacuum. Yeah, and see, that's never, a crazy thing to think about that you wouldn't like think about if you didn't have like something to look at it, like some, you know. Yeah, I had no idea until so you're actually like in a situation where you're like looking at the wind. The wind was supposed to be completely the other way, and it wasn't like a light wind. It was a strong wind. Yeah. And the thermals of the swamp were so strong, it was pulling sucking the wind back in there so we dumped like some dough and heat on the ground and um sat down we're like well we're we're here and my buddy's like i want to shoot one with a shotgun and uh so i was like all right and we ended up just sitting kind of just out of the wind out of the, the funnel or the vacuum of it in another low spot so we got even lower and so how were you figuring out it was a vacuum we're using uh what do they call that milkweed dude would you, you just feel it we don't have milkweed down here. Okay. I That's great woodsmanship. I fucking love that. Dude, it was wild. It was the most eye-opening experience in the woods that I've ever had. Yeah. And that was probably one of my other favorite hunts, and it wasn't even my hunt. It was just See, I was we're, calling for my buddy. Yeah, we were talking about that, just, like, experiencing it. Like, if you can, like, hear people talk about it, but you, you can't you – it's hard to explain. You know what I mean? It's like, unless you were there, you, it's hard to tell it. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we didn't see a deer all weekend long. It was hot. And it was one of those, I mean, the cold front hit, hit Sunday night. And, like, dude, I got butterflies, like, sitting there. I was like, dude, something good's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm sitting that. there, like, raking branches with the the rattling horns. And I'm grunting and I'm bleating and making tendon grunt sounds. And, like, there's mm-hmm. deer fighting and chasing and everything. And I called in three different bucks. I called in one nice little eight-point. And uh, I almost let him shoot it, and I was like, "Nah," because he just shot another buck the week before. And yeah. uh, 
I was like, no, let's shoot something a little bigger. And uh, yep. so then a smaller buck came in next, and it was like right almost at last light, but it got within like 10 yards. And all the deer were coming like from our left and coming through our right. And it was another pinch point in the swamp. Um, See, that's another thing to think about. Like where the deer are coming from, got to move to them. Exactly. Because, I mean, I had no idea. Like, honestly, it's just one of those like, I want to say dumb luck, but it was like more of like just being in the right place at the right time. I had yeah. no idea that those deer were even in there. And I'm just like, I'm just like, well, I think that there's a lot of deer in here. Um, you know, let's just give it a shot. And yeah. I was supposed to take my other buddy hunting and it was really supposed to be his deer, but I ended up, he couldn't go. So I took this, um, my other buddy going and, God uh, damn, John, you seem like a good dude, bro. I, dude, I let so many people. He kill. said, "I'm too fucking nice, man. I'm too nice." I, I, I really am, cause <laughs> I let. I love it, bro. That's what that's what it's about, though. Yeah, I mean, I had so much fun on those hunts. Um, you honestly probably crazy. enjoy those more than like you kill a deer sometimes. I mean, you kill a stud, like but, fuck your friends. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of times like I literally handed my buddy the gun, and it would have been redemption for me. And I was like, "No, nah, dude." I, I woke him up and let him shoot a buck, but that's awesome. I love that, John. I mean, all of my like really close friends, like it was my goal to get them all a buck, and I was mm-hmm. like, and so I did it. I mean, I got them all a buck that that year. So probably didn't do good for as far as management goes on the property. But, Shit, you get, nah, dude. Out there in the south, it's different, bro. You guys got so many deer. Yeah, I mean, it really didn't do much to the overall herd. But honestly, you killing small bucks will help your herd. It really would. And that's a good point because if you do overmanage to where you're just shooting studs all the time, you don't shoot those bucks that that don't have as good a genetics or as they're going to breed the does, bro. 100%. You can't you can't really you can't control the the wild herd um, by like culling or anything. But I do have this like theory or like hypothesis that if you do shoot too many good bucks, then you're taking all of the good genes out of the pool. Yeah, and I know it really probably, and I don't know if there's any merit in that, but I have read some stuff about it, where if you only target the best bucks, and you like, say I have this buck last year named Moose, huge eight point, definitely mature, passed him two years in a row now, and just uh, he's got to be thick. If his name's Moose, he better not be non-thick. No, nah, dude, he's just a monster, <laughs> like giant body deer, and uh, I could have shot him under the feeder last year, and I was just like. He's not the one I'm after, and uh, but, see that's how you know you're like you're starting to grow as a hunter, man. You're like, what could he be next year? So, like, I mean, what could he produce? Even? But honestly, that's not my thinking. Like, I know it sounds. I mean, I really, he's just he he wouldn't make me happy if I shot him. Yeah, um, exactly. That's it. That's what it's all about. 100%. He's a great buck, and most people would love to kill that buck, but. Deep down, like I wouldn't be happy killing them. Yeah, but hey, and I, exactly. If you're not like tickled to death, fired up, don't shoot that buck. I don't care if he's a one twenty, a hundred inch buck, or one ninety. Yeah, he just didn't do it, do it for me. And uh, yep. I'm a great buck, but then I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, he might be pushing out some of my better bucks. He might be a uh, huge thing to think about, bro. The yeah. next generation. Yeah. So he's definitely a. And he was a mature buck starting to hit a feeder. Um, 
after he was mature. So that feeder has been more than just like there's so much scent around that feeder that is drawing in mature bucks now, which is crazy. Because most of the time, like when you're using feeders, you're very swampy land. So I'm guessing you're not using many spin feeders, are you? No. You using gravity feeders? Yeah. Well, it started out as a spin feeder, and then deer uh, had one buck named Littlefoot start licking the corn out of it when the battery died. So uh, then I figured if he was licking the corn out, then a gravity feeder would be a good next step. I mean, yeah, 100%, bro. And immediately he was the first deer on it and blew up. And he broke my heart when he got shot by the neighbor. Uh, uh, because yeah. me and my other neighbor were talking about, like, yeah, we're not going to shoot that buck. Let's get him. Because he's the one that shot that 180. And – uh he was like, you know, he's not going to see another 180 unless we pass him like really good deer, which I should have shot that buck. Um, well, you I, passed him at a 180, John? No, I didn't pass him. He shot he shot a 180. Hey, John, I'm going to have to give you some shit right here right yeah. now, brother. No, he, he shot that deer probably uh, in, I think, 2018. It was like 180-inch okay. deer. Uh, gross, right. like, Dude, Georgia? That's fucking – that's great buck anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. But Georgia? He had a ton of deductions, though. He only grossed, like, 146, I think. Um, oh, I hate gross, bro. I hate gross. Yeah, he right. had, like, a third main beam and everything. That took all that off. Wait, he only grossed that, not net? Or he netted. He netted. Okay, Sorry. I was going to say nets for fish. Yeah, he grossed, like, 180s. Okay, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. You know, something around 180s. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And uh, he netted, like, 146, so. See, that's what's crazy about, like, yeah, that's, that's insane. But... So he, he and I are pretty like minded, but he's probably a little more hardcore than I am, as far as managing okay. goes. Like, if there's a like, if Squiggles, the other buck that's growing like that third beam, shows I like up, that name, Squiggles. Yeah, he. I think he damaged his rack sometime last year, and it made one of his, his crab claws look squiggly. So mm-hmm. he just got the nickname Squiggles. That's how like most that. of our deer get their names. Just dumb stuff happening, and we're like, you know. That so and so, my girlfriend uh, named that one buck Littlefoot because he has one picture and his neck looks super long, like yeah. Littlefoot from the land. Hey, I grew time. up on that movie. Heck yeah! So, you know, we don't name them just like to be anything, you know, crazy, just to kind of distinguish because there's 13 yeah, different deer. Exactly why I do it. Yeah, because like when I'm trying to talk to my dad or Dylan or Corey or somebody from the the crew, I'm just like, oh, it's that big ten. They're like, what? I'm like. All right, you know what I mean. Big. I, so actually, we have one buck. We actually call him Big Ten. Sometimes we get lazy with the names. Like sometimes when they're just like a symmetrical buck, it's hard to come up with the name. But then we got like a buck called Curly, and we got like Drop Time because he's got a Drop Time. But yeah, honestly, I'm a big fan of naming bucks. Yeah, I mean you got to distinguish them somehow. Yeah, you know, and some people do get a little crazy with them, but I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like for the most part. You got to be able to talk about them somehow and be able to just yep. distinguish them somehow or some way so that they're not just uh, the big eight or the big 10 or the wide yeah, exactly. or the tall right. See, yeah. that's why I'm excited to see what these – we haven't put any truck cameras out. It's like the first year forever I haven't had truck cameras out seeing what the bucks are doing. I mean, yeah. I got them already. I just got to buy, like, batteries. and got to drop, like, $200 in batteries just to get the truck cameras going. Well – 
I'm excited for you, man. I hope you have a great year. Yeah, me too. Dude, doing a bunch of food plots again this year. We got a new piece on the farm property doing stuff. So, yeah, we're excited, man. How many food plots do you have in so far? Uh, so, me, like, uh, personally, me, let me think about it. On my parents' property, I'm doing this year, like, me actually planting one, two, three, about five or six. So, what are you planting exactly, and how are you planting it? All right, so last year, I planted some clover, and, like, I wrapped it around in the clover. Like, my dad was mad. Like, I wrapped it down our roads and stuff, wrapped it down to the bottom field, and it didn't pop up great last year. I mean, it popped up good, especially, like, the main spot where I planted it. It was probably, uh, like, all together where I planted it and wrapped it around down to the bottom was probably about a half acre. And it, it, it popped up good in the main spot where I want to do, where I put all the fertilizer and lime and everything down. But uh, the other spot didn't a, pop up. Did you do a soil test or anything? I've never once done a soil test, dude. I need to. I always talk about doing it. But <laughs> every time like it, it comes around, I just don't do it. That's kind of uh, like me. Yeah. Uh, planted those. They did, they did well last year. Popped them back up this year and spring this year, bro. They were phenomenal. Like the clover plot that I planted two years ago is doing great. And then, like, my parents' property comes in tiers. Like, the bottom field's about 70, 80 yards wide and it goes longer than the whole property. It goes border to border. And the rest of them, they don't quite go border to border because there's trees. But on that bottom part, we frost seeded some Whitehill Institute's uh, clover into that, and it didn't seem like it was doing good. So I bush hogged it. I planned on spraying it, and I could see all the clover popping up. I was like, all right, so I'm going to let see what that does. Heck but yeah. this year, what I'm actually planting, I'm going to plant some clover chicory mix. I'm going to plant a bunch of, uh, like, screen mixes. I'm going to try, like, two or three different mixes. Um, Whitetail Institute, so I'm excited to try that. Right, wow, I ordered that. And then I'm planting uh, some mossy oak biologic corn because it's the cheapest corn and it works great every year. This will be year three we've planted on this property, and it's so easy to plant. It pops up great every year. Are you using like a um, – how are you planting the corn? I uh, My dad bought a two-row planter about two or three years ago. Oh, uh, heck yeah. He bought it from Tractor Plot because we don't do big plots. Like our main plots are on the bottom two fields. In the middle fields all together within the trees and all the grasses because I don't cut everything. It's probably 2.5, 3 acres, something like that, maybe a little more. Really? That's pretty yeah. big, though. So, yeah, like that's our main focus on food plots is that middle field, and then we do that one half side of that bottom field. Do you do any, like, hidey hole, or is it mostly just those? It's kind of bigger. Dude, I've honestly tried just about everything, and uh, now I'm like learning. I'm tired of doing food plots every single year, so I'm gonna. I've been planting clover because out of everything I plant, I don't know if it's in the area. I'm, I've never done soil tests either, so it might be acidic soil or something. But uh, we'll have great brassica years, and then we'll have years where they just don't want to touch them. They look great. There's like no reason they shouldn't touch them. They'll eat the tops, but they won't eat the bulbs. But we'll have clover in there, and they'll eat the clover until like December. Really? Yeah. So I've heard mixed things about brassicas. That... Dude, I don't know what I don't know if it's my area. I need to do a soil test. Like simple as that. I need to do a soil test. But yeah, maybe you may could like sweeten them up. You know, if you get the pH right. Yeah. And... See, I might be putting like too much of something in it, not enough of something. That's why I just need to do it. Well, also, I just heard this this week. I had no idea. Is it? It's not good to like plant brassicas 
like two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. I try not to. Yeah. So I guess you already know about that. I had no idea. Yeah, like I like I'll try to like fluctuate. Like last year, I did a, a corn on the left side of the plot. This year, that's why I'm putting that chicory in a clover mix, and then I'm doing borderline, like a not borderline, but a screen mix around the outside of it, blocking that whole plot in from the other ones. Because I've learned, being where we are in the Midwest, like, dude, having them screens, even if you're just pushing them deer one way, because if a buck wants to run through it, he'll run through it. But yeah. more times than not, they go around it. I've been learning. Really? Yeah. Like, the only reason I shot that buck this year is because I had a screen blocking off that main field, and it pushed him into that middle field, like where I was hunting. Shot him at 150 yards on a trot. Dang. Honestly, probably the best shot of my life on deer. I was I was fired up. Honestly, I thought that's I pretty missed. awesome. I thought I missed. Called my dad. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I missed. My my dad's like, are you sure? He's like, go look, go look. My dad gave me the confidence. I was like, all right, I'll go look. Walk over there, don't see blood. And I hear some ru- rustling in like the tall weeds, and he was laying there looking at me. I'm like, no way. And I like. I've said this on multiple podcasts, but I like that like a Mel Gibson brave heart. Like, let's go. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. But John, man, uh, man, I, I love talking to you. Sometimes like certain people are easy when you're when you have the passion for whitetail, you can just talk easy. But do you have like a certain whitetail like memory you want to talk about again? Honestly, there's too many to count. Um, yeah. Always. Yeah. I, uh, there's really too many, honestly. At this point, like, I mean, I remember them all, like, there yesterday. But uh, yep. I pretty much, you know, just love hunting and didn't really have, like, a major mentor in it, you know, because my uncle kind of got out as soon as I was getting in. Yeah, you seem, and, like, uh, very self-taught. That's, like, I am, too. Like, don't get me wrong. My uncle taught me stuff. My dad taught me stuff. But majority of what I know, I taught myself. Yeah, so, I mean, there's nothing better, there's no better feeling than, like, putting in the work. Like, I love the process just as much as I actually like the hunt. Yep, the older I get, the more I love the process, 100%. And I had no idea, like, I have no, like, I really didn't get much done today, but it was just nice being out. Um, Yep. Coating myself in bug spray and just freaking going at it for a little while until I had to go, you know, eat and, you know, do this awesome podcast with you, so... Dude, uh, yeah, I had a great time. Sometimes they just it just clicks and it's easy to talk. And I appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. Um, you wanna to... you wanna give a shout out like your your uh, Instagram or anything? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at All or Nothing Outdoors. Um, I try and do other things besides just deer hunting, but it seems like deer hunting is usually the center of what I do. Um, yeah. And for people listening, you say all or nothing, but it's A-on, it looks like. It's, it's, right? Yeah, A-O-N, outdoors. Yep, dash um, outdoors. Just want to make sure. So if people are looking for you, they don't find the wrong guy. Yeah, A-O-N underscore outdoors. That's a good yeah. point. Um, and you got great content. You're coming from like a different part where I feel like a lot of people don't come from, like Georgia. So it's a whole different type of whitetails. Yeah, and I'm sure there's like there's probably a lot of similarities, but I feel like and I, I've thought about moving out west, you know, Midwest. Um, I was planning on going to chiropractor school in Iowa this year. Um, yeah, but that's really, where the big bucks are, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's where the, the super giants, the freaks are, you know. But I'm just trying to to work with what I have here. 
and I think it's pretty special, even though it's, you know, I think that's what sets me apart. It's just because it's all swamp. It's protected um, in a sense that, you know, we can't really do a whole lot of typical management. um, Yeah, see, like the things you taught me today, I've never even heard, like, I haven't talked to nobody about that or never heard of it. So I was honestly glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the stuff I do, even though it's like a pretty large property, is, is mostly just sweat equity and just working hard at it. And you can be successful. Like even even on that property, I was not successful for a really long time um, until it just started clicking and uh, started taking my buddies on hunts. Yeah. And, you know, they're having awesome success. And so I started hunting and, you know, pretty much doing it for myself after that, where, you know, it's still definitely enjoyable to, to get other people on deer, but it's definitely fun to get yourself one, too. Oh, um, like don't get me wrong i love getting my nephew a deer my good buddy a deer but there ain't nothing like smacking one right there's there. nothing like all your hard work paying off yeah uh, so that's the main thing is just like i mean leaving a legacy though i mean just i'm trying to create work that creates more work i know that doesn't make much sense but like, no 100 so- get that you're doing something great like I followed your page for a while, but I had no idea that your family's been doing all that. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. So you're I the mean, change for the better. Huh? I said you, you and your family is the change for the better. Yeah. So we're giving back to the environment, um, you know, by producing all this wetlands that will, will forever be protected. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're able to hunt it still, which is awesome. Um, but I, I wish there's more, more people doing what we're, what we did you know, to create that kind of habitat because a lot of the habitat, I believe even Ohio, like some crazy number, like 90% of all their wetlands have been destroyed, like their natural wetlands. Really? So we, we have to protect our wetlands um, because... See, that's, some, that's one of those things people don't think about. So hopefully, even if this makes only a couple of people think about it, hopefully that's, that's the plan, man. Yeah, so not even for just deer hunting. I mean, wetlands are some of the most diverse ecological habitats where there's you know birds and fish and they filters the the aquatic life like yeah yeah i mean it's a natural soil filter i mean the soil that's built up um from wetlands actually helps like filter out all like the bad stuff um and just helps the environment so even though there's like that aspect um and a big benefit of it is deer hunting so deer like you know, big bucks have wet feet is what I always heard. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, but it's been great talking to you, Gavin. I appreciate you letting me come on tonight. Yes, sir, uh, John. Man, this was easy. I'm gonna have to pick your brain another time here soon. Yeah, for sure, man. We'll have to talk again sometime. Yep. Until next time, brother. I appreciate you, John. All right, brother. Have a good night. You, you too, brother. See you, man.